invite you now to join our conversation, an instrument of healing as we share how each of us can grow through times of illness, grief, and loss. Our wish is through these words you will discover a healing community that promotes insight, reignites hope, and nurtures peace. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Conversations with Kelly. This is Jeffrey Cloninger, your podcast host. Here's Kelly Grosslogs with me. How are you, Kelly? Good morning. Well, we've been recording so much this weekend that my voice sounds a little raspy. Today, I was, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, how come your voice doesn't sound raspy? We've been working so hard. I think it's because I am putting it on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so my apologies if, I, if I, I'm not sick. I just, uh, we've been working hard and our, my voice is taxed. A it's bit. taxed, and you know what? That's kind of how life rolls. Sometimes we're going to feel up, and sometimes we're going to be a little bit gravelly, and you still are bringing good energy. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I hope so, and I'm so grateful for all the work that you have put in here this weekend, Jeffrey, because it's, you know, for those of you that are just tuning in for the first time, Jeffrey Cloninger and I have been doing these for a year? A little over a year. And... This is out of Jeffrey's kindness of his heart. I also like this. doing it. And yeah, it's work. Yeah. Sometimes it's work to edit it. Sometimes it's work to think like, what do people want? What are we going to talk about? But you actually really make it a lot of fun and it's pretty easy. Thank you. I, I, but I do want to say to those that are joining for the first time, welcome. And for those of you that are joining again, welcome, because you are what makes this community and I am loving the feedback. So please make sure you share these episodes and encourage your friends to follow and subscribe because we really want to grow this community. Um, so today's topic, which yes. excites me, Ooh. actually, because in all my years working in hospice and all my years working with people who are terminally ill, I have noticed that there is um, some beautiful things that happen in the end, the deathbed communication, so to speak. And when I tell stories to family and friends about things I've been privileged enough to witness and experience, I am overwhelmingly pleased at how people respond. Because for me, I, I forget that not everybody gets to experience um, people dying. And mm. yes, it's very sad, but when it's when it's beautiful or when you can see a glimpse into another world, it's such a privilege. And so... Today, I, I do. I want us to have a conversation about what are some of the common themes we've seen when people are nearing the end of their life, whether it's two months, two weeks, two hours, that I have experienced hundreds of times with people. And I think if we can shed some light, maybe for those of you that are taking care of somebody who's terminally ill, at some point in our life, all of us will be at the bedside of somebody we love and care about who's dying. So I want to I want to bring in some things that I've learned and I think that it's it's really important for us to remember that people who are dying still hear us and that so just because their eyes may be closed they're exactly, still with us. Exactly. And it you know, you've heard me say this before, but out of all of our senses, it's we know it is the last one to shut down when people are dying. We have which one is listening, hearing, um, hearing exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we have, I have multiple experiences I've experienced in my own life 
knowing that that's true, but there's also so much research out there. So remember to keep talking, but the dying communicate non-verbally and verbally. And I think that that's important to remember that not only can they, not only do they speak, but they also communicate in ways where they're staring. Um, they may have an expression on their face and no one's in the room. They may reach up and hold their arms up countless times. I can't tell you, Jeffrey, that I've walked into a room of somebody that's so weak, they could barely lift their finger up and they're holding their arms up, reaching for like the ceiling or reaching for somebody that they love. Mm -hmm. That's maybe in a spirit form standing there. I also want to say that I'm, we're not here today to talk anybody into that. You need to believe this. This is just simply, and you don't even have to have a faith assigned to this and you don't have to call this place wherever these spirits are anything it's just i've been asked many times please share your stories because it comforts those who are dying and i know many people who are listening to this podcast are people i've worked with who are terminally ill and want some reassurance that it won't be maybe as scary as they believe it it's going to be mm -hmm. in the end so they communicate verbally, they communicate non-verbally. Um, when you're working or when you're, when you're loving and caring for somebody that's dying, some of the things to be watchful for are staring kind of blankly off into space or staring at the ceiling. Um, By the way, many living people do that too yeah all right. the time. Right. But I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen it in the death of my grandmother and and some photos we were just looking at last night mm -hmm. and you can see there's a different look to her face oh. and, and her gaze is almost goes beyond the frame of the photo. That's exactly it. And so you'll know, and I'm sure you felt this with your grandma Lorraine, that when you're standing next to them or you're sitting next to them, it's almost as if we in the, this living form is trans we're transparent. They're looking at us, but they're looking through us. Yeah. It's like, we're the ghost. Mm-hmm. And they, I have had multiple experiences where I'm sitting and talking to somebody and they are almost looking just like right at the top of my head, but they're looking at something else that's not me. And those are opportunities for us to lean in. And if they can, we ask them, is somebody else in the room with us? Are you seeing, and you can actually name it for them because, you know, energy can be very, obviously very limited at the end. But are you seeing Grandpa John? Are you seeing Dad? Are you seeing, um, you know, and sometimes we have to ask yes and no questions for people because they can't. Open-ended questions can be hard. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me about who you're seeing. That I have done, but that's more for like one to two months prior to death. That, that can when happen. When people are a little bit more lucid. Mm -hmm. And energy. They have a and little higher more energy. energy. That makes sense. But maybe towards the end, you know, I might say, are you seeing someone here? Are you... And, you know, more often than not, people are comforted by these visions. They may cry and they may have like a, a kind of their brow may get a little crunched up. But ask them. Don't assume that they're upset. Don't assume that they're scared. Ask them, are you scared? Sometimes they're crying because, oh, my gosh, they haven't seen their mother. And it's a homecoming. Exactly. And they haven't seen their mother in 
40 years and here she appears that I've seen multiple times where tears are coming and because they're joyous. Wow. And so, you know, the point of this is that there, there is so much we're not privy to. And I guess I, I have to say this, this is kind of a risky podcast because not everybody may buy into it and they may think this is really, you know what though? I agree. Some people may not, but a lot of people who are not people of faith have told countless stories of experiencing this with people that they see dying, exactly. people that they love. Um, and so I think it transcends your faith mm-hmm. completely. Well, I've seen non-faith believers experience things too. And so that also tells me that it's possible. Now, when you are working with somebody, whether you're listening to this as a provider or whether you're listening to this as you personally are working with, you know, you're loving somebody through this. You're a caregiver, perhaps. Yeah, a caregiver or you're visiting somebody. It's be the inclination would be to believe that they're over-medicated and that they're having some kind of a hallucination at the end. What's really important to remember is that, um, you know, I don't. I don't know that I've ever seen somebody who's overmedicated have a vision vision from somebody that they love. It's more about they're fearful of maybe there's something dark in the corner, or it's bugs, or it's something really scary. But you know, what is the harm in believing that they are seeing somebody or something that they're comforted by? I right. mean, I think that's really important. And so for us as, as support people, join them in those visions, join them in these conversations, allow yourself to believe on their behalf. And if they're, especially if they're comforted by it. To your point, I'm thinking through the the experiences I've heard others share. And then my mother's story with her mother, Lorraine, my grandmother, Lorraine. And what's that story? So often, I'll get to it. So often people are reaching for something they're not retreating from something, mm-hmm. which is really, really, really interesting. Even in how you described what people do, it's raising the hands, raising the arms, reaching out, seeing out there, mm-hmm. right? And wanting this, it appears to me like it's it's this desire to be closer. So in the case of my grandma Lorraine, my mom came home after visiting her, it was probably three weeks before she died, and she was staring up at the ceiling quite a bit, and she wasn't able to speak very well, but every couple of minutes she was able to get out a, a few words. And my mother remembers her saying that she needed to catch the train. And she was reaching for something. I don't know if it was someone that she was bringing along with her or someone that she was going to, you know, getting help up into the train or her bags or whatnot. Uh, but she needed to get the train. Travel metaphor is very, very common. So if your loved one or your patient is talking about needing to go home, Mm. ask them where home is. Because I made the mistake early on as a practitioner trying to rationalize with people. Well, Mr. Johnson, I you know, you know you can't go home. You're so sick and you know, your family can't That's take care no of you. That's no fun. You're, you're no fun. I know, but I was young and inexperienced <laughs> and, you know, really thought, you know, really thought he thought he was going, quote unquote, home. And what it did was it would agitate people because 
in their mind, they know exactly where they want to go. And they're being called to, they're, they're being called there by something, an energy, a, a spirit, whatever it is. And it was, it really, it was like, once I started really paying attention, room after room after room, bedside after bedside after bedside, I'm like, whoa, there is something going on here. Right. And as I, you know, when I would talk with my mentors and, trying to figure out and we were all discovering this in the early 90s at the same time about what is what is this and so now how I handle that is I ask the Mr. Johnsons of the world where is home and um, or I don't rationalize with people I'll say when you are ready because this is another really important thing when travel metaphor comes up they are they are in another world in this world they have a foot in one world and a foot in another world and you can see it as you're looking at people when they trans, you know, when they transition between, it's really interesting. I mean, I've literally wow. watched people come and go, but and, their body is still right there. Sure. Physically, they're right there. Mm -hmm. And, and is the coming and going, is it sort of like I'm over here and now I'm back over here and then yeah. I, and it, it's a back and forth. It's not, it's not from one to the other and then you're done. Right. It's, you know, and this can go on. I mean, I remember talking with a patient of mine two months before she died and she would describe it as she felt she was kind of just disappearing. And like just the life as she knows now was fading. But then she'd come back periodically and experience this. So it tends to be an okay thing. I think what's going on is negotiations about am I ready? Is it time? Has my son gotten here yet that I want to see? You know, I mean, people will die and let go when they are ready. I mean, that is that, that I know. And so if the travel metaphor comes up, allow that as an opportunity to give them the permission to go when they are, when they need to. I've heard you say this many, many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, that people need to hear that it's okay. That it's okay. And some of the things they also need to know is that you will be okay Name people, you know, if there's a grandchild, um, Missy, you know, I will take care of Missy. And it's really important to reassure them. And, and it's okay to say to them, I will miss you. And it's okay to cry at their bedside. It's okay to be sad at their bedside. They don't want to be forgotten. And that is another, another very common theme I hear is they don't want to be forgotten. They want people to keep living, but they don't want to be forgotten. And so that's an opportunity for you to reassure them. I'm not going to forget you. But, you know, what a gift to be, to have just a glimpse into the other world, into the other spaces beyond this life. Again, whatever you want to call it, something happens. And now you may be listening to this and thinking, that never happened for me when I was taking care of my grandma. Like, I feel cheated. You know, it, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen for your grandma. It just maybe didn't happen when you were there or... You may be like me earlier on in my career. I didn't know. You know, I didn't know to ask people. I might have seen them staring, but I didn't I just figured they were staring. I had no idea that that might been that might have been part of their letting go. Right. Even they're dying. Right. What would you say to somebody who's not ready to say to their loved one uh, it's okay to go? Mm -hmm. I mean, cuz I think that's what we're all struggling with so often is dying is, is it's not easy and mm. you'd never want to say goodbye. You know, um, I'll start with, it's a great question. Um, I've held space for many, many people that are not ready to say it. And um, 
you know, you can only say it when you're ready to say it. And I, but what I, what I, what I want to remind people of is that your elderly loved one, your terminally ill loved one, whatever that may be, they are dying, whether we're ready or not. How they die is how, where we can impact that. So we don't get to choose if they're going to die. We get to choose and impact how they're dying. And one of the ways that we can contribute to that is to help their psychosocial and their, their mental being. And if they're holding on because they're worried about us, that's agitation and that's difficult for them. And so it doesn't matter how much time we have with somebody. It's never enough. No, it isn't. It's even, not. Even if they're 90, it doesn't, it's not enough time. So, what I would say is that if there's travel metaphors coming, I need to go. I, I worked with a woman who asked her family to get her shoes. And she kept saying, go get those shoes, go get those shoes, go get my shoes, go get my shoes. And they were frustrated with her because they're like, you can't even walk. You're too weak. You might fall, mom. You might. And I, I knew immediately what was going on. And yeah. I asked her. It really wasn't about the shoes, shoes. Right. And I, But I asked her, and she had the shoes she wanted to go in. I mean, mm-hmm. they were actual shoes. And she's like, get the brown shoes. That, And they're just like, oh, my gosh, Mom. So then they'd get the shoes. And they, I said, go get her shoes. Just go get her shoes. So they'd bring the shoes, and I put them down, and I said, when you're ready, you can put these on wherever you need to go. And then that's when I cued in the family that anytime a travel metaphor comes up, it's an opportunity for us to have bigger conversation. It's not an op- it's please don't let it be an opportunity to rationalize. That's not what it is. It's right. about meeting them in that space that they're in. And that's, you know, quite honestly, we everybody asks how much time do they have left? And Scientifically, we base that on, well, they haven't eaten X amount of time, their input outputs this, their weight's this, they're sleeping more. Those are all really important factors. But I have done more kind of predicting prognostically based on some of these things. Once they start seeing people, once they start wanting to go, once they start having conversations, tells me that they are getting closer to the end. Right. Are there other metaphors or things that we should look for? And so I don't even know if I answered your question. If you're not ready, um, talk outside to another person about that, like struggling with, I, I don't, I don't want to tell them they can go, but I mean, I've, I've really, I've had multiple times where there's maybe one daughter in the family that just can't do it. And, mm-hmm. um, or son, we're not picking on daughters here. No, no, no. Or son. I mean, just, it could be anybody. Um, and I have sometimes had to go in on behalf of her and say for her because I know that it's causing great angst in my patient. So I maybe have had to go in and say, I've had a conversation with her and I want you to know that she's having a really hard time telling you that you can let go. But I want you to know that I'm going to be very involved in supporting her and that she wants you to do what you have to do now really good at helping people through transitions, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Except myself. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, you know. You know what? We all have that problem <laughs> among ourselves. Yeah, let me focus on everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so other metaphors. I think travel is really important. You know, I will also say that in the end, what matters most are what we keep coming back to. Love, love, and love. And safety. And so 
what we want to create is is the most loving, beautiful experience that we can. And we want to take the time to say, I love you and thank you and maybe apologies or asking for forgiveness. But I love you. When I talk about healing versus caring, I've seen situations at the end where this is a family that these kids never heard I love you growing up. I mean, that just wasn't part of, didn't mean they didn't have love in their home, but it wasn't verbally expressed. And it is incredible at the end when you see children around the bed, adult children around the bed saying, mom, I love you. And then I have seen some of the weakest people be able to, it might take like 20 seconds, but to get, I love you too, out. It's the most beautiful thing. And at that moment, you just know that love heals. I mean, you just you just know because then they can just kind of take a big sigh and often will die. And so it's it's really quite beautiful. So I don't know that it's a metaphor, but the theme of love and safety is really, really important at the end. Um, so I want to read something from my book, A Comforted Heart, um, real quick. And, you know, I think we'll have this conversation again. We'll have the, the basic of the basis of this is that be watchful. And also if you are yourself are dying, if you are terminal and you're listening to this, try and take some comfort in the experiences I've had, as well as many of my colleagues have had in the end, working in end of life that some of the people that are the most scared about dying have been incredibly comforted at the end. And I think, and that's because of love and light they're feeling from another place or people they're loving. So the basis of this conversation is I want people to start being very mindful of it and just to know that we are not fluent in in dying communication. Like I'm not dying, so I don't, I'm not fluent in that, but I will tell you I've, I've certainly been watchful and there's something to it, Jeffrey. All right, let's hear from A Comforted Heart. This is called Communicating at the End. It can be difficult for those at the end of life to focus and stay present for long conversations. Therefore, we want to make sure the important parts of what we want to say get said while we at least have their attention. Of our senses, hearing is the last to fade as people are actively dying. This is important to note. A dying person can hear what you say to them, even though they do not respond. If you have a loved one dying right now, hold their hand. Let them know you love them. Tell them a few ways that they have impacted you and that you won't forget them. They may also need to be forgiven or apologized to. This would be the time to do it. If you get a response verbally or non-verbally, this is considered a gift. If you do not, it's okay. It's very likely that they still heard you, but may be too weak to respond. I've told people, it's okay not to respond. If you cannot, just know I love you. If you struggle to speak to them, the most important thing to convey is your love for this person. This is the greatest gifts that we can give to our dying loved one. In the end, love is the medicine that will make dying tolerable. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks to all of our listeners. We'll catch you next time.
Thank you for listening to this CWK podcast. It's our hope that these words bring comfort, healing, and insight to your life, wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing. Please subscribe and share this episode. You can also follow and like Conversations with Kelly on Facebook. One quick note, we've done our best to share some ideas, tips, and techniques to help guide you. This podcast's content is not intended to be a substitute for or constitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to seek professional medical advice if needed. Thank you.